So let me formally introduce to you your new lead pastors, Doug and Jen. Here they are. All right, thanks. Well, Jen, Jen's going to preach. Here. Now for our fifth sermon of the day. Super excited to be here, see all these faces, and can you grab me a Kleenex, because I was starting to cry a little. I, it's good to have my, um, some of my kids here, jo uh, Jordan and Kelsey. Can you guys wave to everybody? Thank you, thank you. All the way up from Roseville. Whew. Thank you. I was... Uh, <laughs> I was praying about what God wanted to say because I was pre-planning to be in a series starting next week, and uh, actually, Pastor Bill was going to preach, so I was kind of like, oh, I got Sunday off, you know, and uh, <laughs> I just come up, show up, and have some fun, and, and so, and when that transpired, I was like, all right, Lord, you know, should I just start where, you, where we were going to next week, or what do you want to do, and I was kind of thinking like, let's just have fun, keep it light. You know, just there's going to be food and stuff like that. And so I asked the Lord, I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? Oh, he told me. I was like, whoa. And I said, are you sure this is, this is kind of, can be kind of intense? Some of the things you're telling me here, Lord. And yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs> and uh, so Friday morning, after I had gotten some notes out, I woke up and the first thing that came into my heart and I wasn't really, I wasn't like praying or reading my Bible or being spiritual at all. I just was getting up, you know, walking into the restroom. And, um, and the Lord just spoke into my heart super loud and clear. I want you to declare a new season to the rivers. And I said, can I do that? <laughs> like, don't you have to do it? No, he's like, no, you're my, my voice piece. So go ahead and speak that out. So I'm going to declare... In Jesus' name, a new season over you. And I know there's a lot of visitors here, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit knew that. And he knew you were going to be here, and he wanted to declare to you as well, even though this may not be your home church. He wants to declare to you that this is a new season for you. God is declaring a new season. Will you, will you guys receive that? Say amen. Amen. I receive that new season. Pastor Sue, good to see you. I didn't even see you. I'm glad you're here. So would you turn into your Bibles with me, and uh, I've reduced the, my 25 points down to a shorter version of the text. So we're going to look, have you guys ever made decisions in your life where you look back on your life and you think, man, if I would have just changed that one little choice I made, I, I wonder where I'd be today. You ever think that? You ever think back and go, man, if I would have just handled that transition a little differently, I may be in a whole new place or a new state or another country maybe. Who knows? 
And today, I was, as I was praying, I was asking God, what do you want to talk about? And he says, I want you to talk about a healthy transition, how to make a healthy transition. <laughs> and some of us here today are in that transition. Some of us here are going, amen, get me out of this season. Is that that's you say amen? No, I'm kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm there. Come on, come on. But some of you are comfortable in your season. And you like it just where you're at. And God's saying to you, I'm going to stir it up because you've become that familiarity that you have in your life with Christ and your intimate relationship with him has made it contempt. It's grown contempt because you're so used to it. There's nothing new and there's nothing fresh in your life. And he says, I'm declaring to you a new season. In Philippians 3, turn to Philippians 3 if you can. Write that down, put it in your bookmarks. I want to talk about making healthy transitions. I want to talk about what are some principles we can take as a body, as Christian brothers and sisters, to make transitions healthy. And what I want to look at today is really quickly in, in Philippians where Paul says, he makes it real simple. In Philippians 3.13, let's read the text. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. You see, Paul's on a journey, right, just like us, right? Do you know that we're in a journey, church? We are in a journey. We haven't arrived. We're not going to arrive until the, 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 our last breath, okay? Then we arrive with Christ. We're made perfect. But that whole time is a transition. It's a journey where God is transforming us into his likeness, amen? He goes on to say, but I press on to, uh, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And verse 13 is the key. You might want to underline this. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing. But he says two things. <laughs> we'll get to that. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Forget, let go, move on. Good transitions have this formula in it. Let go, forget, move on. Let's look a little bit closer at those words, because I want to look about what the Greek words really say. It might intensify the meanings of these words. The first Greek word that talks about forgetting the past really has the picture of neglect in it. If you look at the definition, it's to overlook, to, to not even be aware of it. And really, when you're looking at your past, God is telling us with that negative word of neglect that he wants you to neglect those things that are in your past that are holding you from going to your future. Neglect them. Don't forget. Don't let that old offense tie you down. Don't let what that person said about you hurt, tie you down and keep you from walking in the future that God has for you neglect it. So Paul's really saying, I neglect the things in the past, or I overlook them. And then that second word, this is kind of interesting, because it says, and I'm looking forward to it. But the word really talks about stretching forth with an intensity. It's almost the picture of the baton, where someone's stretching forth, and they're going back, and they're reaching for it to grab hold of. This Greek word in particular is only used one time in the New Testament. But if you look at the root meaning of it, it talks, it's the same Greek word where Jesus used, remember when he prayed for the guy with the withered arm and he stretched his hand forth? That's the same word. And that arm was cringed up and Jesus said, be healed in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden his arm stretched out fully. 
So Paul is really saying, I want you to forget behind you. I want you to, t- to neglect those things that are holding you back and tying you down and weighing you down and, 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 and making you anchored to the past. But I want you to press on, reach forth with intensity and effort and go for the things that God has in front of you. Amen? Listen to this, Young's literal translation of that same verse. Young's literal translation is actually the actual uh, manuscripts Greeks translated word by word, so they don't put it in the exact way, but this is a great translation. I want you to listen. Brethren, I do not reckon myself to have laid hold, and one thing, the things behind indeed forgetting, and to the things before stretching forth. Get that in your hearts, church, because to make a good transition wherever you're at today, however your life is, your marriage, your, your relationships, whatever you're doing in your job and career, whatever's happening in your life, God is telling you there's a new season. And to do this successfully and to make it a good transition, you've got to forget the past. You've got to move forward. Amen? All right. So let's quickly look at um, Joshua 1. So when we go in the Old Testament, we're going to see God's picture book come alive. So Paul in the New Testament says, put the past behind you, move forward. Let go, move on. And then Joshua's going to show us how to do that. Do you think that, uh, I mean, if you were going to do a transition and you had to go ask for advice, who would you ask? God, yeah. I mean, he probably knows. Good, you know, one good thing about a transition is that the person with the best perspective has the best transition ideas because they can see both the past, present, and the future. And God gives us this in Joshua. And in Joshua 1, 9, I want you to turn with, uh, turn with me to Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and we're going to read some of that text together. Joshua 1, verse 1. And remember what's happening in Joshua's story. As you're turning back there, I want to give you a little picture about what the children of Israel have been through, okay? So you, we're going to relate this to our story, our transition time, but Joshua and the children of Israel were in a, uh, just had come out of 40 years. They just finished a 40-year journey. By the way, which should have only taken 11 days. Can some of you relate? Hell, I've been in this season for 40 years. Get me out. A 40-year journey in 11 days. You know why? They thought they had a better plan. They really did. They thought they had a better plan. And maybe today you're sitting in life and you've been going, man, I feel like I'm dragging in the season. It may be because you have thought you had a better plan than what God had for you. And maybe it's time to just say, okay, God, what's your plans? I want to be like Joshua. I want to, I want to take on whatever your plans are, and I want to execute those. Another thing to think about in the history of Joshua and where they're at is they were getting ready to cross the second river. Remember out of Egypt, they had crossed the Red Sea. Remember that? God just parted it. They walked through. Wow, this is awesome. God did everything. Kind of like our picture of salvation. You know, out of sin, Egypt was, a, was a, a picture of the world. And the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. They didn't do one thing. They just had to go doop, 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 doop. And it was dry, and there was a miracle, not only parting the water, but drying the ground. Impressive. God likes to do that because he did it a couple times. And they just did it with no work, no effort. It's by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, not of all the stuff you can do, but it's by his grace and his love for you that he saved you. So that's that picture of that. And then they go in 40 years, they're doing their own thing, they're learning a lot of lessons, they're trying to live by the law. Yikes, right? They figured after 40 years they couldn't live by the law, and now they're at this point where Joshua's taken over and there's another river in front of them. 
And so as they go into this river, we're going to see in a little bit that this river was another baptism, but of power. Because they're getting ready to go to war. And so they're going to need power to do that. We'll look at that in a little bit. Another thing, look at this. Remember this as you're putting yourself in Joshua's shoes and, and the children of Israel, that there were still giants in the land. Not just pretend giants. Real, literal, actual giants. Do you have some giants in your life that you don't want to face? They don't look as bad from this side of the river, do they? Another thing I want you to think of, God had already given them the land. I love this part. God had already promised them the land. The land was theirs rightfully already theirs. Now all they had to do was walk in and obey God and take it. So when we're entering into this new season, church, know that he goes before us and that this land is ours. These lost souls in this city belong to us, the church. Jesus paid the price for them and they belong to us. We have every right under heaven in the name of Jesus to take them and to get them saved and baptized and born, every, born again, the whole thing. Amen? So it's ours. All right. So Joshua 1, let's read. After the death of Moses, the, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land where I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on that land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains to the north, from the Euphrates River to the east, the Mediterranean Sea, into the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Wow, that's some good stuff. The first thing you need to do on a successful transition, guys, is to remember that Moses is dead. Forget it. Remember what Paul said, forgetting the past? Moses was dead, guys. Moses is gone. The guy who went up to Mount Sinai was the voice piece for God to the children. Do you know that the original ten of God was to have everyone come up? And they rejected that. So God was saying, I want all of you guys. But they said, no, let Moses. And he was there. He, they, they lived vicariously through, spiritually through Moses when God's real intent was that they each individually had a relationship with God. And through Christ, we get that today. But back then they didn't. But that's what God wanted. And the first thing in transition is don't, don't hold on to the past. Don't hold on to those old hurts. And I, I didn't want to go here, and, and I asked God if I could leave this part out, but he said, no, you do not, because there's, someone, there's going to be someone here today that needs to hear this. There's some people in this room, and I'm not going to point you out, so don't worry about it, but you're holding on to unforgiveness towards people in your past. And that's holding you back. And if you want to get out of the season and you want to make a new transition, a new season, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to release those people. You're going to have to release them. I want to give you a quick little insight on the, uh, to forgiveness. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 that vengeance belongs to the Lord. When you don't, when you don't forgive someone, what you're doing is you're holding on to the right of vengeance. You're holding on and you're saying, 
God, I can figure this out better than you, so I'm going to hold on to the right of vengeance so that I can make sure they get due what's coming to them. You play God when you hold unforgiveness, when you hold bitterness and resentment and anger towards someone. You are holding on to vengeance, and you're saying, no, God, here, get out of my chair. Let me sit in the throne of my life, and let me make the calls. And I'm telling you, I am, I, I am begging you in my spirit right now to give up and let go of the vengeance. Let God be God and forgive. You will be free and released Remember, when someone sins against you and hurts you, that that sin is not against you. David, King David made it clear in the Psalms. He said, oh, Lord, and we know King David, right? He, he, he screwed up a few times. That's why I kind of like him. You know, he messed up. Yeah, he's good. He said, oh, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. But he, he, killed, he killed someone's husband. He committed adultery. He did all these kind of things. What do you mean he just sinned against God? Yeah, you hurt people, and someone in his room has been hurt by people. We all have, right? And someone may have said evil things to you and done very awful things to you, but their sin was against God and him only. You are not God. And you and I need to release them. And See, the problem with forgiveness is that we think we, we have to go to make sure they get their due penalty to them. So we hold on to that right. We think they sin against us, so we, we take on the right of, of God and say, oh, well, you've sinned against me, and I've got to make sure you're punished for that sin. And God says, no, 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 that's my job. It comes down to trust. You've got to trust that God is a just and a merciful, loving God, and he will make sure that, that there's justice done in that case. Is he big enough for you? Did he do enough on the cross for you to forgive? I want you, and we're going to have a little moment at the end where we're going to be able to lay some stuff down on the altar because I'm telling you, I, I think the Lord wants to clean house and clean the past up, and we need to put, put to death some of the things that we've been holding on to. We need to put to death some of the things, that the, our thoughts and our unforgiveness towards the past. Matthew 18, you don't need to turn there, but listen to this. You guys all know the story. Matthew 18 talks about the king that forgave a big debt for the guy. Remember that one? It was like million dollars, like big, a big amount. He forgave him, and then remember the guy left, and oh, he's going to throw him in jail. And he said, please beg for mercy. And Okay, yeah, I forgive you. And he wiped the debt out. Remember the guy left, and then he found some guy that owed him 20 bucks and beat the tar out of him. Get in jail and pay everything. Man, when the king heard about that, and Jesus was describing unforgiveness. You do not want to mess with this. Listen to what Jesus says. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's bad enough. And then he goes on to the next verse, which makes it even worse for the person who doesn't forgive. Listen. Jesus speaking about his father. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You cannot move forward into your future, into what God has for you, until you release vengeance on your enemies, people that have hurt you. 
You've got to release it. You've got to speak it over. Church, you don't want tormentors coming to torment you. And what happens in there, in the spirit realm, and I'm going to give you a quick insight, when you hold on to the right of unforgiveness, you give hell the right because you're an you're in blatant disobedience to God's word. Some people think they can get away with it. I, I don't understand that. When you disobey God's word, you open up the door to hell to have its way in your life. God's not messing around, church. He didn't write and speak his word out just so that we could have cute little sermons and read a few books. It's life. His word is life. And we've got to take hold of that. And I just know, I, I wanted to... I wanted, I wanted to move on and make it a little more comfortable, but Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit just said, no, 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 someone in here needs to hear this, and, and Holy Spirit is challenging right now in your heart and your mind, and there's been names popping up in your mind as I've said this from their past, even maybe in the present, that you need to release, and we're going to have that opportunity in a few minutes. The second thing we need to do is be all in. Joshua said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land that I'm giving them. It is important, church, that if we want to be successful in our new season, we need to totally commit. I want you to think about the Israelites when they crossed that Jordan. Once they got over to that side, the river went back to normal. There was no turning back. And you had hundreds of thousands of people that were skilled in war, had giants, and were evil that wanted to now destroy you. So when you cross that river, there was no turning back. You've got to be totally committed. And when you make transitions in life, when you make this transition today, maybe in your heart after service, you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. You've got to totally commit. You know, the baptism is commitment. Water baptism and even baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in its sense is a commitment. You know that when people get baptized in other countries today that they lose contact with their families? Do you realize in other countries when they get baptized they never see their friends again? Because it is just not some cute little water dipping and ball parade and, and I'm not trying to mock baptism in America but I'm telling you how we do baptism and what baptism actually means is completely different. It's like being initiated into a gang. You don't, there's, once you're initiated, you don't get uninitiated. You get whacked. And I'm telling you, God, when you, when you commit to that, you're saying, I'm committed for life. A baptism. If you want to move from the old into the new, you've got to be ready to make that commitment. Say, once I commit, there's no turning back. I'm going for it. Amen? Well, let's move right along. No more sidelines, guys. Let's get in the game. Commit. Number three, remember his promises. Verse three says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot on, I'll give you that land. We've got to enter our new season remembering the promises of God. We've got to enter the season based on what God said. If you want to enter into a new season with God, you're going to enter that season believing the promises that he's promised you. You can't go in without his word, guys. His word is life, and his word is 
full of promise that, that he's promised us to be with us, to give us the, the wisdom to, to uh, provide for us. He's given that pr- precious promises for us to believe. And that is so important for us as we go into a new season that you've got to walk into that. Remember, they're walking through that river. They're facing giants. They're about to ready to go to war. But in their minds, they're remembering, no, God, the angel army commander, is behind me. And he said, I, I, that's my land. So he was there delegated and had the authority to go do that. And we've got to walk into our new season believing that with all of our hearts. Amen? Number four, another attribute of a good transition is to know, and Pastor Bill, you you mentioned this when you were praying, it's about knowing that God goes before you. Some of us are afraid of what's in store for us. Some of us are anxious and have fear about tomorrow. Well, I like it where I am. I don't know if I want to go in this new season. I'm comfortable here. I was talking to some of you earlier. You're comfortable. You don't want a new season. You like it just the way it is. You've come complacent in your life, and God wants to pull you out of that because God, it's not about what what he wants you to be or where he wants you to be. It's that God's transforming you into his image. And in order to do that, he can't leave you where you're at too long. He's going to change you and transform you and move you into that. But it's so important as you're doing that because that is scary, guys. I'm telling you, we don't understand the concept of, of giants because we don't see any. I mean, I'm not a giant. I'm only 6'5". But these guys were, you know, this is an 8-foot ceiling. And they're bigger than that. So we don't understand that. But, but if we know that God goes before us, we know he's in our tomorrow. Someone needs to hear that today. God is already in your tomorrow. Do not be afraid. God has gone before you. And in John 10, 4, Jesus talking about being the shepherd. We're all familiar with that, him being the shepherd, right? He talks about this, and I just noticed this kind of jumped out at me when I was reading it. Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, listen to this, he goes on ahead of them. A good shepherd, you guys, always went into the land or pasture and scouted it out to make sure that the sheep would be okay in there. There would be no poisonous, you know, bushes or plants or whatever, no danger. So he went before the sheep and he goes, okay, it's ready. All right, guys, come on in. And God's saying that to you. God's going before you. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Don't be afraid to step up your game. Don't be afraid to press in more to God. You might be afraid of what's coming tomorrow, but I'm telling you, God has great and precious promises waiting for you in that new promise line. He has freedom from bondage in your life. He has freedom from the things that you deal with and you're tormented at night. I don't know. There may be someone here that's tormented at night with dreams. Some of you, there may be someone in this room today that has had thoughts of suicide. There may be people in this room that are suffering right now, and you're a Christian. You believe in Christ. You believe that he died and and rose again from the dead, but you're still being tormented. And God says, no, cross over the land, cross over this river, get get full of the Holy Spirit and power, and then walk into your destiny. You guys, the promised land was a picture of our destiny in Christ, of what he wants us to walk in. And the thing about that is, He provided for you, but he's not going to do the fighting for you. He'll fight with you, but not for you. God is training you to be a warrior. 
He wants to teach you how to fight. You have to learn how to fight, church. You're going into battle. A good transition always knows, hey, I'm going out of this kind of secure place. I'm ready. I want to get out of here. I'm going to this new place. It's, it's undiscovered territory, but it's kind of scary. But you got to realize you got to fight for what God has given you. God just misunderstood. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, right? I just want to give everyone a heads up. He wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Jesus was referring to himself. His work is done. He did a lot of work. He's done all the work we need. Now he wants us, empowered by his Holy Spirit, to go inherit the land. And this Yuba City is the land. This, your life is the land, and God wants you to take every promise of God and inherit and walk in that, but you're going to have to fight for it. It's not just going to, it's not going to be given to you. Oh, hey, thanks, go. It's going to be all perfect. No. We could go on about that. But number four, he goes before you. God is in your tomorrows, people. Listen. Number five, we're almost done. Hang in there. When you transition in this new land, you need to expect miracles. Expect the miraculous. Expect God to show up and do what he said he would do. <coughs> Verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Isn't that a good promise? Know that he is going to come through for you. Expect that when you go into this new season and you go into a land of giants, people that want to kill you and hurt you, that God promises you that, what did it say? No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. That's a big promise, don't you think? But as we do that, as we do that as a church, as we do that as individuals in our own life, as we take that step into our new season, we have to know and believe that God is going to stand up for us. He's going to do the miraculous. He's going to come through for us. He will deliver. He's given us, the Bible says, everything we need for life and godliness, God has given to us. So he's going to come through for you. He's going to make the miracle. He's going to find that, the job you need. He's going to heal the marriage. He's going to heal the relationships. He's going to bring your kids back. He's going to do those things because he is God. All right, number six, we're almost there. Have faith. Have faith. This is kind of cool. Listen to verse 5b, I guess it is. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Woo. Hold on to that promise. Have faith. If he did it for Moses, listen close to this. If he did it for Moses, if he did it for Joshua, if he did it for Elijah, and you're going to like this last one, if he did it for Jesus, he will do it for you. That's, that's kind of hard for the flesh to grasp, but with your spirit, man, rise up right now and go, he does love me. <laughs> If he'll do it for them, he'll do it for you. And that's kind of hard. Jesus said, actually, Jesus took it a step further and said, greater things will you do in my name. So have faith, church. Hebrews 11.6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to have faith to please God. Acts 10 and 34 says, Peter replied, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. All the Gentiles were allowed to come into the glorious gospel of Jesus and experience all the fullness that God had for Israel. Now the whole world has it. God doesn't show favoritism. 
if he'll do a miracle and, and, and save Daniel from the lion's den and from the fiery furnace, he will save you from the same and even something greater and even more intense. Have faith, church. Rise up and believe. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you pray according to his will that he'll do anything you ask him? Have faith, church. Into this new season as a church as we go into it, we need to believe for God to do crazy, awesome miracles, for God to come through and have faith, for God to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the wounds of the people that are hurting, to set captives free. That's what God is in the business of doing through Jesus, guys. And we've got to believe that. We've got to have the faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, you can't do anything from God, nor should you expect anything from God if you don't believe his word. You have to stand on his word. And then seven, last one, is to guard your heart and minds. You know, in the last part of that, of Joshua 6 through 9, Joshua, or the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then he goes on to talk about staying closely to his word, meditating on the word day and night, not deviating from it. Remember what happened to pre, pre or the, the, the children of Israel before the promised land? They had a better idea. Remember that? They thought they had a better idea. You know what? You're going to think you have a better idea if you're not planted in God's word. You need to plant yourself in God's word because God is telling you to be strong and courageous and that the battlefield is in the mind. Check this out. When they're crossing that river and going into uh, the promised land, the battle guaranteed was up here for all of them. Oh, they were nervous. Can you imagine just the feeling of that whole process? Really not being trained up for war much. Having to go to war knowing that some of your buddies are going to die. I mean, that's an intense thing. But the battle was in their mind, and they had to trust God. You see, the reason they didn't get into the promised land 40 years earlier was because they did not win the battle here. When those, when those spies went into the land to scout it out 40 years prior, they came back and said, yeah, the land's great, but there's giants, and we can't take it. And the problem was is that God had already said, it is yours, go take it. And they thought they had a better idea because they weren't, trained, they weren't training their minds to believe what God's word said. And then because they did that, their hearts went another way. We've got to stay in the word, church. We've got to know. We've got to guard our hearts and minds against drifting and against having our own ideas that don't connect with God's word. A couple chapters later in Joshua as we're closing, Joshua told the people to get ready to cross the river. And he said to sanctify yourself. To sanctify yourself, sanctification or the sanctifying word really talks about being separate unto, holy to God. It's something used for a specific purpose. And when Joshua's telling to do that, can you imagine them? getting ready for three days to go into this thing, the mental preparation, the, the heart. And what I believed happened, I believe people were going, as they're sanctifying themselves, they're, they're obeying the laws of Moses, and they're, they're going to that altar, and they're probably doing a sacrifice or two, and they're thinking about what they've done, and they're thinking about all the past and stuff. They've, all the junk that's in their minds are going, God, I want to I do this new season pure. 
I want to do this new season uh, in, in, in the right light and in the right heart. And so they were preparing themselves. And, you know, an altar is simply a place of sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, they, they used to do sacrifices to uh, pay for sin. And it was a representation of what Jesus would one day do for us. And today, yeah, we don't do sacrifices, praise God. But we do bring a sacrifice of praise. And we do bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we do at times have to bring to the altar things that we're holding on to that are not of God. We have to lay those on the altar and kill them. We have to lay those fears down. We have to lay that unforgiveness towards someone down. We have to lay the fear of maybe you're afraid that you're not good enough or you're, maybe you're afraid simply to fail. Maybe you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can make that type of commitment. Some of you in the faith part maybe thought, man, I don't know if I have enough faith. Or some of you are saying, you know what, I, I'm just comfortable right where I am. But, you know, those things are in disagreement with God's word. And sometimes we're going to have to lay those down at the altar and kill them. Paul says, I crucify the flesh daily. And today, church, as we go and as Chris and Allison lead us in this song, I want you to find your altar. It can be just you kneeling and sitting over in your chair. You can turn around in your chair and kneel. You can just stay where you're seated and just get before God. But I want you to make an altar either with your hands or the chair or whatever. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what do I need to put to death today that's keeping me from walking in this new season? God, what's holding me back? Would you show me? I know I believe right now. I know in the Holy Spirit that many of you already know, and God's speaking to you through the sermon. He's, he's tugging at your heart saying, no, I want, you to, I want you to get rid of this. I want you to lay this particular thing down at the altar right now, and I want you to get rid of it. I want it it's the end of days for that thing. Remember what Paul said? Neglect the past. Neglect it. Neglect unforgiveness and all those lies of the enemy that says you can't do it because God says you can do it. And so as we, as, as we sing this song, I want you to find a place just where you're at and get with God and let him speak to you. And let's lay some of these things down at the altar. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a person that you need to forgive. And right there in your own, in your own chair, just pray and speak out their name. I forgive so-and-so. God, I release the right of vengeance. I release this person over to you. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm just giving you the right to be the judge and not me. If that's what you got to do, do it. So as we sing, let's do that. Father God, we love you. Lord God, we thank you for your powerful word. God, many of us in this room are in big transitions in our life. Many of us want to walk in a new season, but Lord, we have some stuff weighing us down. We have some weights that we need to get rid of, things that will hinder our future. So, Holy Spirit, as we spend time with you in this secret place right now, just you and us, would you reveal, lead us into all truth, show us, God, what you want us to lay down on this altar and release to you so that our tomorrow can be a tomorrow of victory, a tomorrow of promises, a tomorrow of faith, a tomorrow of freedom, a tomorrow of power, a tomorrow of accomplishment. God, we pray that and we ask, oh, Holy Spirit, move in this place.